so they're shouting, defund the police in the streets. What does that really mean? Let's get into it. Shalom family. Ooh, I'm I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that intro right there. That might just have to be like my normal intro. Like I'm 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 feeling Marcus Garvey on top of that beat right there. I don't know if y'all feeling that. Let me know Jacob C12 on Instagram, Jacob C Podcast on Facebook. You can also follow me at Yahoo 15 on Twitter and Instagram. That'd be my personal pages. Uh, welcome to another episode of Jacob C Podcast, where the diaspora speaks. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to get thought-provoking, encouraging, uplifting content out to the African-American community who are part of the, dia- uh, the, the Semitic diaspora. I thank everybody who's been rocking with me so far, um, everybody who supported this podcast. Um, if you have not subscribed yet, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to this on, as well as sharing the episodes on whatever um, social media uh, platform that you uh, frequent. <clears throat> if you wanted to know uh, how to be a part of the podcast, um, you can call the uh, podcast voicemail. Um, I believe the number is 901-374-74. That's 901-374-74. Leave your questions, leave your comments, and they will be played on an episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. Um, Listen, if you guys have not heard the last episode prior to this one, uh, I had a guest on Elder Jeremy R. Vonner uh, talking about um, globalization, the occult and the new age that these uh, that, that some people are trying to push us into. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, man, you are missing out. You need to listen to that. Um, as well as my other two guests that I've had on this show so far, uh, Hosea Williams talking about soul bondage and um, Only Love Austin uh, talking about the, uh, the black biblical destiny um, and tracing our roots back to Africa uh, with the Semitic people there in Africa, the African Hebrews. Um, so much content, uh, just peruse this, the whole, all seasons. I'm on season five now. So there's, there's just so much content, um, that's out there as far as Jacob C podcast is concerned. Um, yeah, just, just take your time and go through it. And I appreciate everybody who's listened to every episode, or if you just listen to a, a few episodes, two episodes, or this is your first time listening. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Listen, so let's get right into it. So what does it really mean to defund the police? Right. So you have two sides of this argument Uh, on one side. You have the ultra liberal who their idea of defunding police is what it looked like in Seattle. Right. Where a whole bunch of people took over, literally took over a precinct, took over about, I believe, like two or three blocks of real estate there in downtown Seattle, took over a precinct, kicked the cops out and made their own little utopia of a city. Um, and there was there was there was chaos and anarchy and all that stuff in there. And then you have your ultra right. So your Republican side of the deal who would say that defunding the police would mean more crime in the African-American communities. So if you watch the uh, Republican National Convention, you saw Donald Trump 
have all these African-Americans come out and say why they wouldn't want the police to be defunded because it would make the uh, black community worse. So you have these two polar opposite ideas of what it really means to defund the uh, police. But actually, the truth is somewhere right there in the middle. Um, So I don't want this to be a long podcast because the, the truth is very simple. The police do need to be defunded, but we do not need to totally get rid of them. That would be crazy. Um, and some of you that live in some of these high crime areas would know why. Now, are some of these police officers overbearing and overstep their bounds? Obviously, uh, we've seen it video after video, uh, uh, Instagram video, Instagram video. Um, you can look on your, your Twitter streams every, every from from Trayvon Martin uh, being killed by a, a, a um, overzealous community watch person all the way up until. Uh, we had up into this episode a brother named Jacob Blake. Um, with the irony of that, shot seven times in the back in front of his children. Um, thankfully, he's able to live to tell his story. So, what does it mean, though? What does it look like to defund your local police department? So, I live in a large city, so I can't speak for the small towns, but I live in a large city. Millions upon millions upon millions, and depending on the size of your city, even billions of dollars are given to your local police department. Here's the problem with that. While they're getting funded and funneled all this money, you actually have problems in your community that they cannot solve through policing, but they try to. And this is how we get to people being shot in the street, unarmed people being shot in the street. Cops are not trained to be social workers. Cops are not trained to be counselors. Cops are not trained to deal with people that are having a psychotic break. Cops are not trained, obviously, not trained enough uh, to deal with people who are just having a simple dispute. Cops are not trained with interpersonal relationships. They are trained to enforce the law. Their job says they are there to protect and serve, but really... Their job is to enforce law. They're, enforce, they're an enforcement agent. They're not psychologists. They're not counselors. They're not social workers. They're not, they're not peace officers. They're not negotiators. They are law enforcement. Enforcement. So in defunding police, it is saying that the monies that you are giving to them You need to give them enough money so that everybody can get paid and go home happy and so that you guys can have the resources that you need to enforce the law. But all other monies should be reallocated to different programs to help those uh, communities that are being less served. So if you want young people off the streets, let's take those some of those millions of dollars that's being allocated to your local police office. And allocate that to our community centers. Allocate that to a youth program that's really helping our children out and getting them off the streets and allowing them to be productive, whether that's um, a STEM program, whether that's a coding program, uh, whether that's teaching kids how to uh, start their own business, uh, after school program to teach kids entrepreneurship or how to work on a car engine or whatever it may be that would allow them to enhance their skills in life. So that when they leave high school, that they don't need to necessarily go to college, but now they have the skills to start their own job. They have their skills to work on computers, to work on cars, um, to, uh, to, to be creative in the arts, whatever it may be. Uh, put more money into our musical programs. We have a Stax Museum and even a, a, a uh, the legendary Stax 
um, record company is now turned into a museum here in my city, and they have a a high school that's attached to that, and I believe probably a middle school too. Uh, but we need more funds allocated to things like that. Uh, we need more funds allocated more to our social workers so that when somebody is having a psychotic break, we can call out a social worker or a peace officer to talk that person down. Somebody who is versed and who is trained um, in the psychosis of the mind, not someone who is trained to shoot and kill people. Now, when there's all-out anarchy and there's riots and there's drive-bys and there's uh, gang violence and all those things, all the people who are obviously perpetrating the law, that's when we need police officers. Or we can also reallocate that money so that we can self-police in our communities. We can put up more. What we have here in our city is blue light cameras, so cameras on every corner, so we can see what happens. So people know that if you break the law, if you bring chaos into our community, somebody's watching you and will be dispatched if you decide to do something crazy. Um, when there's a domestic dispute, we actually have negotiators come out to negotiate between uh, those two people to make sure nobody else is harmed. Those are the monies that we need to be allocated to our communities because our communities, as the Hebrew communities or the so-called African-American communities, are the communities that are most vulnerable to police violence. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, as a police officer, you are automatically taught to be fearful of people with dark skin, whether directly or indirectly, whether it's in their conscious or their subconscious. It's clear, because why would you shoot a man seven times in the back? Most of the time, why would you shoot an unarmed man or an unarmed woman but allow a young so-called white man to shoot into a crowd and walk away? It's because somewhere in your mind, somewhere in your psyche, you have a deep fear for people of dark skin because of your training. And that is not unique to white officers. Even black officers have shot unarmed black people because they are scared of their own. We have been taught in this country to be scared of people with color because of the images that are portrayed about us. And I would say the images that we allow ourselves to be betrayed as. So some of these people are completely selling their self and their culture out for money and that has an adverse effect for us who actually still live in the neighborhoods in which they are from. So if you have rappers like Lil Wayne, Young Jeezy, um, whoever it may be, I don't know who the newer people out there is now because I, I just think hip-hop is garbage now. I'm not really listening to it. Uh, but I don't know who the new rappers are, what they're actually rapping about. But when I was coming up, it was all about you know the, 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 the gang violence and the drug deals and the whoring around and all that stuff was permissible and it was promoted as something that was good and going on and I'm a thug and all this stuff so when you see these music videos and you go into these neighborhoods and all you see is gang violence happening on music videos you see uh, drug deals happen on music videos you see people getting harmed and beat up you watch movies like uh, Belly or Hot Boys or whatever it may be remember police officers are people just like you and me they clock in eight hours and go home they see the same content that you're seeing. So the same content that we're allowing to be uh, edged in our brain is the same content that they see. 
But the difference is they put on a badge and a gun and they go to work with that content in the back of their mind, thinking that this is how African, the African-American community is run. This is how they move. They're thugs. They're drug dealers. They're gang members. Everybody's little Wayne and Tupac. Even if they're little boys, 12-year-old boys, they treat them like grown men because of their fear. And this is why we have to fight to defund the police. How can you do this? You have to talk to your local officials in a tactful way. I don't think going up there, yelling and screaming with picket signs is going to get anything done. You have to go up there with a plan. Listen, mayor, listen, city council, listen, alderman, whoever's running your city. I understand that X amount of money is being allocated to our police department. I believe that our police department is being stretched too thin. None of them have a degree in psychology. None of them are adequate to deal with somebody in a psychotic break. None of them are adequate, adequate to deal with somebody who's tripping on some kind of uh, a psychedelic drug because drugs should not land me in prison. Obviously, that is a mental issue. That is an addiction. I need help. I don't need prison time. Prison time does not help my drug addiction. If anything, it makes it worse because drugs are flowing through the prison just as much as they're flowing through the streets of your cities. So putting me in prison does not help me. And it's funny how in the African-American community, handcuffs are put on us when we see someone that has a drug addiction. I know because it happened to people in my family. But when it happens in the suburbs, all of a sudden we see substance abuse counselors dispatched to the area. We see um, 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 counseling agencies pop up all over the suburbs and they get counselors. They get psychiatrists. We get prison time. Funds that are allocated to the police need to go, need to be uh, redistributed into the community to, number one, help our young kids get off the streets. Sometimes they're just bored and do dumb stuff. Sometimes kids are just kids. When I was a kid, there's plenty of times that, that, that if I was not raised up in the city and I did half the stuff that I did, uh, in the in the city that I was doing in the country, because in the country it's understood, hey, kids get bored, let kids be kids, as long as they're not hurting nobody. But here, man, I would I've been I would have been in jail multiple times, okay, just for small stuff that kids just do. So let's get our kids, some of our kids, and some of our kids just want to be on the street. That's I get that, but there are some who are just bored and they need a release. So whether that's uh, allocating money to a boxing or kickboxing gym, like I said before, using your hands as a skill, whether fixing a car or building something as a craftsman, using your mind how to be an entrepreneur, how to start a business, how to code. This is, this is where our, these, these are the places our society is going and, and putting our kids on the forefront of all of that so when they grow up, there will be more black businesses, number one, that we, we can support and that are in our community that we, can, that we can patron. Because the problem is there's not a lot of black businesses in your community. Most of the businesses that are in your community are run by Middle Eastern people. They're run by Asians or they're run by Europeans. They're not run by you. Now, some of you listening may run a business, but you're probably the, the, the far few and in between. 
I live in one of the blackest cities in America. And, and black people own less than 1% of the businesses here in this city. It's a shame. But if money is allocated, number one, to our youth, then number two, to our black entrepreneurs so that we can have more representation in our cities. And number three, that we need to have uh, dispatched more counselors and have more counseling programs in our cities, drug prevention programs. And if somebody is hooked on drugs, more programs to help the addict, not imprison them. And then we need to, the, the, our police need to invest more into dispatching negotiators during domestic disputes, not police officers with guns. That's what happened to J Jacob Blake. He got finished de-escalating a situation, a domestic dispute. It was over with. The cops should have never been dispatched there, but they were. And when they showed up on the scene, the only thing they knew how to do was to use violence to get their point across. And that's the problem that we have. When young uh, uh, um, uh, Yaquan McDonald, I believe I'm probably pronouncing his first name wrong, but in Chicago, when, that, when all the other cops were trying to talk him down and the overzealous cops sped up and just emptied his clip into the, to the young kid. and You could see the bullets flying off the concrete. And then he reloaded his weapon. He's clearly not trained on how to interact with somebody who's having a psychotic break. Why was a negotiator not dispatched there? Why was a psychologist that would, would be on the police payroll not dispatched there? Because the monies do not go to those type of programs. The money goes to more bullets, more guns, more militarized weaponry and militarized uniforms so they can handle riots and all this stuff because they want you to riot. They want you to be in chaos. They want all these things to happen. But if we're able to allocate monies to more positive things in our neighborhood and to deal with our mental illnesses and our drug addictions and being taught how to police ourselves, I, think, I, I, I believe that our communities would be better off. Because I always think back to in school when we learned about Reconstruction, the time right after uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, when uh, the Union soldiers were brought down to the South uh, to make sure that the transition from slave to free man was smooth. And that time of Reconstruction was probably one of the most prosperous times that our communities has ever experienced in this country. Because that's when your uh, Black Wall Street, your Tulsa, Oklahoma's, your Durham, North Carolina's, your Atlanta, Georgia's, your Pinch District, Memphis, Tennessee's, um, your, your Mattapans in, in Boston, and all these other different places were created uh, during that time. People that look like you and me had the the freedom in the South and even in the North to use our minds and our creativity to build communities that helped us and built us up. That we did not need any more inside help or inside influence to do things. We had our own uh, grocery stores. We had our own dentist office, our own physician office. We had our own private playing companies. We had our own schools and our own places of worship. We had uh, our own car shops and uh, the list goes on to our own pharmacies. All these things we had on our own during the time of Reconstruction and a little bit after that. But what happened was when the northern soldiers left, because they didn't really care, uh, the government really didn't care, they said, man, these Negroes are doing too good. 
Let's remove the protection and see what happens. Then we get the Jim Crow. Then we get the, oh, my God, this black guy looked at my wife, whistled at my wife, touched my wife. Let's go burn down their community type stuff. It's the same thing happening today. The story has just changed a little bit. Oh, my God, this black kid was about to pull out a gun. Oh, my God, I feared for my life, says the police officer. Oh, my God, they're having a barbecue disturbing the peace. Oh, my goodness, this, this guy's in my gated community, and I've never seen him here before, and he doesn't live here. Oh, he's in, this, he's in this gated apartment building, and I've never seen him before, says Becky, Sally, Susan, Debbie, Billy. It's the same story, just a different year. Same old stuff. But if you can ever get, and I think it's a long shot, but this is what it looks like. This podcast is talking about what, what, does it, what would it look like for us to defund our police departments. It doesn't mean that you would drain all funding to police. That's what the, the conservatives will have you think. Nor does it mean that there's going to be uh, complete, uh, you have complete control over your city and, and you get to take over and rule. That's what these liberals would have you think. But in the middle, you have it where the police officers get what they need to be able to police when we actually need them to de-escalate a situation that is too violent for us to do so. But then on the other side, we have our counselors, we have our, um, um, our youth initiatives, we have our um, mental illness initiatives, we have our drug prevention and drug addict initiatives, um, we also have our education initiatives on the other side to help our communities uh, uh, to build up themselves. But ultimately... And I'll tell you this, if we, as people who know who we are, as Hebrews, are not willing to tell our neighbors who they are and that they should turn from their sin, there's a word from that in the Hebrew called shuva, that you are to shuva, you are to turn from your sin. What is sin? Sin is any violation of Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The laws, statutes, commandments of the Most High. The laws, these are the things that he has instructed us to live by. The statutes, this is the, this is the culture that he has given us. And the commandments, these are the, the foundation of how we live our lives. If we don't turn back to that, even defunding the police will not work for us. Because all it would do was cause, cause us to be more uh, 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 wealthier, skilled fools. Yes, if we do not know who we are, or if at bare minimum, turn from the lawlessness that we're in, we will just be wealthier, more educated heathens. So not only do we need to as Jeremiah 29 says, fight for the shalom or the peace of the city in which you're in, especially specifically the neighborhood in which you're living in. Fight for that. You don't, you don't need to link up with the Black Lives Matter to fight for your neighborhood to be better. You don't, you don't need to link up with all these godless um, organizations who disagree with the Bible that we agree, that we agree with. You can start your own thing with your local kahal, your local assembly. 
Start your own thing. We have to do more than just stand on a street corner or be in an assembly and teach. That's for people who already know. We have to fight for our communities, not fighting to be equal with our oppressors, not fighting to get all this other stuff, but fighting just for for simple liberties as self-policing, education, help for those in our community who are mentally ill, who are struggling with addiction, who are struggling with interpersonal issues. Fight for for the things of that nature. And then as we're fighting for them, simultaneously teaching them who they are and why you're fighting for them. Let them know that you're fighting for them because you are, just like they are, just like you are, a Hebrew, a son and a daughter of Abraham, Yisak and Yaakov. Let them know about the laws, statutes, commandments of our Elohim and that they should turn back to that. And in their turning, their shuva is where we get most of our peace. The right-hand man of the prophet Yermayahu, Jeremiah, Baruch, he says in his book that if we had continued in the law, he would have continued in peace forever. So when we look out at our communities, We see stuff like Jacob Blake happening. Remember, these are the curses and the punishments that happen to us because we have turned from the laws of the Most High. Don't get mad at the white man. Don't get mad at the police officer. Should they be punished? Will they be punished? Will they be judged? Absolutely. The Most High will do what he has to do to them for being harsh to us. But remember, we're in this predicament. They're just a means of the most High's punishment to us. We're in this predicament because of the laws and the statutes that we have broken. Be mad at your brother and sister, the people that look just like you that continue in lawlessness. Be mad at yourself for not telling anybody who they are and that they should return to the laws, statutes, and commandments of the most high. See, we have to learn how to communicate with our own. We do a lot of focusing on who Esau is and what he's done and who these oppressors are and what they do. And yet there's a time coming for them because all scales have to be even. We serve an Elohim of justice. But clearly, right now, our communities have not turned back to the law, statutes, commandments, or we would be in peace, even in captivity. I completely believe that. Or the Most High would have gotten us up out of here already. So the few of us suffer from the lawlessness of the many of us. I know that doesn't have a lot to do with defunding the police. I just went on a little rant. But defunding the police, what does it look like? It looks like reallocating, refunneling resources that go to the police officers, specifically monies, into different programs that literally directly help our communities transform into a community that is void of violence, void of crime, uh, void of mental illness, uh, void of joblessness, void of miseducation. Those are the communities that our ancestors, and I ain't talking about the ones 
back in Africa, and I'm not talking about the ones back in Israel. I'm talking about the ones 50 years ago envisioned for us. What my grandmother and my grandfather envisioned for us when they saw the Tulsa, Oklahomas and the Durham, um, North Carolinas and the pinch districts in Memphis burning down, they envisioned that it will be rebuilt by this generation. But yet because we have become more lawless than even our ancestors, that time has not come. We've just seen punishment after punishment after punishment because we refuse to turn back to the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High. And one of those commandments that was given to us, one of many, was while in captivity, read Jeremiah 29, while in captivity, we ought to seek the shalom of the city in which we're in, specifically the neighborhood. Because before that, it talks about uh, uh, building homes and planting gardens and giving our sons and daughters off to marriage in our own tribes. So it paints a picture of us building our own neighborhood and seeking the shalom of that neighborhood. And one way that we can seek the shalom of our neighborhood is to defund the police. So again, this is not a, a push for anarchy. This is not a push for uh, more crime in our neighborhood. This is a push for shalom in our community. It's not a push for you to be unequally yoked with uh, community programs that do not agree with Torah. This is a push for you to create peace and shalom in your neighborhood by petitioning your local officials to do something they've never done before to care about you. To care about you. I'm going to be emailing, sending letters out, and getting some of my friends that I know to talk to the local officials that have that I already have FaceTime with them and see what we can do on my city. My challenge to you is, what will you do in your city to seek its shalom? As always, keep it 98 plus 2. Seek the truth. Live it out and inform others. Shalom.